Hey guys, I'm Paul Bates and this is the Fermentation Podcast. Join me on this journey to put fermentation into practice, create culture, and revive this lost art that connects all of us to our cultures of the past. We are now in the new year. Today is Friday, January 9th, 2015, and this is episode number 19. First off, I just want to say welcome back to the Fermentation Podcast. I mean, you guys made it a great end of the year for me with all the interaction, the emails, the comments and feedback, and I can only imagine what this next year is going to hold for all of us. You're the writer of your own story, so make it a good one. Also, I think this is going to be a great year, especially for fermentation, with articles going around now predicting future food trends for this year, and right at the top of the list of the predictions are people turning to fermented foods to aid in their digestion. Last year, gluten-free was very hot, and I think that also had something to do with people trying to get control of their body in terms of digestion. And another prediction for this year that I think is just going to keep continuing is fermentation just in general is going mainstream, and I'll be aiming to just help that trend right along and just keep on doing podcasts and keep promoting fermentation and get more and more and more people into this wonderful world of amazing flavors. So before I get into my plans for the new year and a few comments on the end of last year, all the comments and links for today's show will be in the show notes at fermentationpodcast.com. If you'd like to get a hold of me, as always, email me at paul at fermentationpodcast.com or go to the website, click on the contact button on the top. You can also connect to me on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Twitter. Just go to fermentationpodcast.com and you should see the links in the sidebar. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, just head out to the website, click on the guest button on the top, and fill out the guest submission form there. So last year, I finished out 2014 with Jane Campbell, who I think I can probably safely call the queen of fermenting. I was pretty overwhelmed and even shocked by how many things she actually had going in what I would just call her a fermentary. Jane definitely made me want to try out new things and experiment with some good flavors and traditional ferments that most people probably wouldn't make, like miso and tempeh, because they might sound a little too complicated or take too much time. But after talking to her, I think those are well within my reach, and I have quite a few other goals I'd like to get done this year also. And one thing in specific that she pushed me into would be sourdough bread. And I've made sourdough bread in the past before, but then I got a little bit away from bread as I started making more rice dishes. Anyways, toward the beginning of the conversation with Jane, she talked about how a sourdough bread starter got her into the fermentation realm, and that she had a sourdough starter that she kept alive for over 30 years, and said that starter was even much more older than that, like very ancient, like maybe 100 or 200 years old. Can you imagine that? That's an organism that's probably older than most people's kids that you keep around indefinitely that can make a tangy, tasty bread. And I think sourdough is actually much healthier for you than ordinary bread due to the yeast actually digesting the grains partially for you. But anyways, she sent me some of her ancient sourdough starters, so I plan on getting that going very soon and tasting some great sourdough bread. And then, of course, I'll report back to you, let you guys know how it's going, what I'm using it for, how I make it, how I keep it alive. But I think that would be a, a really interesting show also, just sourdough bread, just a sourdough show, you know, pancakes and biscuits and, and of course, bread and maybe even some interesting things that you can do with that. But yeah, I can't wait to get into sourdough and just to explore that world even more. So to get into my plans for the new year, like maybe some of the goals I have over the course of the year, some of the things that I kind of meant to get into back in 2014, but I didn't quite make it. And this year, I think I could probably get a lot of these done and probably expand on a lot of these also. 
But of course, my first goal of the year is just to get into more fermenting. I mean, more into the actual hard stuff of doing it and the, the routine of it, I guess. Because, yeah, you can talk about it and read about it. But as soon as you start doing it, it actually becomes more a part of your life and more, of, I guess, a part of your body. You know, whatever you, you are, what you eat. So whatever you're eating and drinking is becoming you. So if you're filling your body with more healthy things, then, you know, your body is going to start becoming healthier. And for some reason, I always like to think of this as, say, you don't even really have, you know, taste buds. You don't have a mouth. You just have your stomach there and you have a trap door. And you open the trap door and you can put anything in there. You can't taste anything, but you can actually choose whatever is going to go into your body and actually become you. I think you probably have a lot different of a philosophy of what you'd actually put in there if you didn't, you know, have your taste buds and your temptations actually taking over. I'm sure we probably think of it more scientifically, like, you know, how much protein do I need? And how many of these minerals do I need? And what about iodine and B12 and, and all this other stuff? You would probably put a lot more salads in there, probably more smoothies, maybe more nuts and seeds, less of fried things, which, you know, I'm guilty of also. I love chips and salsa. And I think a lot less chemicals. You know, I think if you pick up a package and you're reading down the list, you know, would you want to blend that up and actually put it into your stomach? Probably not. So it's not necessarily about becoming a food snob or, you know, becoming some kind of health nut. But I think health is probably the most important thing in your life that you have. And I think anybody that's actually lost their health will probably be the first to tell you that is the most important thing, even beyond taking care of your family. Because, you know, you always hear of like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd die for my kids, but will you actually live for them? And I heard that from Jack Spirico, I, and it's kind of stayed with me ever since. You know, will you actually live for your family? Because, you know, if you're not around to take care of them, then you're not actually doing your job. And, of course, it's not even just taking care of your family. You want to experience this world the best possible way you can. I mean, this place is amazing. Even you know, later on, I'll go over, you know, hiking in the Smokies, which is what I did over the Christmas break. And this world is so massive, and it's just, it's so amazing. There's so many things, so many different flavors, so many experiences that you want to actually be able to be healthy enough to take all of that in to your fullest. And that's what I hope for you guys, you know, for a, a healthy 2015. I think we can all do this pretty well. So into the first goal of actually fermenting, some of the things I want to get into, I have a, a little list here, would be kimchi, tempeh, miso, yogurt, beer, and mead. And on kimchi, I can't believe I've never actually even made kimchi, but I've tasted it so many places. And of course, they all always taste completely different wherever I have it. And I've seen so many beautiful pictures of everyone making kimchi. And I love spicy things. I love cabbage and everything that goes into that, like daikon radish and carrots and just the spiciness. I think I'm really going to start loving kimchi and probably having it a lot more regularly with my meals. So definitely look for kimchi and maybe a kimchi recipe with lots of beautiful pictures coming up. And the next couple on the list are actually soy ferments, which is tempeh and miso. And, you know, you might hear about, like, soy is bad for you. You shouldn't have soy because of the estrogen or the estrogen precursors. But I think, really, it's the isolated soy protein that's in a lot of these kind of garbage fake meats. I think when you get into the more traditional fermented soy products like tempeh and miso and tofu and, and things along more those lines, like the traditional foods of Okinawa, you know, the people that live 
over 100 years old. They have so many centenarians over there, and they have soy products, but they're traditionally fermented, so I think they're much better for you. And the fermentation actually breaks them down so you can actually digest them. So anyways, the the first one on the list, tempeh, I find very interesting. You know, imagine you have a pile of, I guess, soaked and cooked soybeans. You can't really eat them. But if you keep them a little warm and add koji, which is like a, a mold, you'll get this white, almost rubbery looking kind of mold all over in a mat. And it just kind of takes over. So imagine having like a, a sheet of soybeans covered in like a, a white kind of a mold, not a mold of what you would think of like a fuzzy mold, but it's a, a little bit different. It's like a harder, almost like a, I guess the out, outside of like a cheese. So you end up having this solid mass that you can cut into. And really you have like a, a high quality protein there that I would say is probably comparable to meat in many ways, except now it's actually coming from a plant. So you don't have to worry about cholesterol because cholesterol only comes from animal products. And then you can actually get the benefits that soy products do contain without getting like the, the super concentrated protein that a lot of the fake meats have. And you can really make tempeh taste like anything. I mean, I've seen tempeh bacon and you put tempeh on a sandwich and it has kind of like a, a nutty kind of a flavor. But yeah, sometime this year, I'm going to actually make tempeh and see what it tastes like homemade because I've tasted it several different times in restaurants and then, you know, when you can buy at the store, but that's not fresh tempeh like you would think of. Uh, I guess the same way with like fresh chickpeas. When you've made fresh chickpeas at home, it just doesn't compare to what's in a can. So that should be an interesting one. The next one I have on the list is miso. And I've always heard miso takes a long time to make, you know, maybe one, two years maybe even five years, I've heard some of the the rare kinds of miso. But in talking to Jane Campbell previously, she's actually gotten into miso and makes it in, I think she said, maybe a couple weeks. And of course, it doesn't taste the same as, you know, something you would ferment for maybe like a year or so, but it's supposed to taste very, very good. So miso is definitely something I want to get involved with. Because every time I go to a sushi restaurant, I always have to have a miso soup. There's something just warm and comforting about a miso soup. It's the saltiness, the savoriness of the miso. And there's just something that just draws me toward it. And there's several different kinds of miso. You know, there's red miso and brown miso and then the normal white miso that most everyone knows. And you can do so many things with miso. I just think it would be a really cool thing to try to make myself and see how it turns out. The next one I'm going to be trying in 2015 is some yogurt. And I know there's a bunch of different kinds. And of course, you know, me being vegan, I'm going to try to make, you know, a vegan yogurt, probably a coconut yogurt or something like that. But I think that's another kind of cool thing that I could try. That has a lot of probiotic value and, of course, a lot of taste also. And you can make yogurt taste really however you want with any kind of additional fruit or different flavorings. And you can also use yogurt in different things. So say when I make some Indian dishes, I could make like a maybe even like a sourdough yogurt naan, which is the Indian flatbread. So I think yogurt has a, a lot of benefits going for it and a lot of different ways that you can actually use it. And at the same time, it's not even that hard to make. I mean, I've actually gone over how to make it in a previous episode. So maybe in 2015, I'll either have somebody on that makes a lot of yogurt, or maybe I'll just have a whole episode on yogurt once I start getting into the swing of things and the yogurt making. The next one I have on the list in terms of fermentation that's dear to my heart and probably dear to a lot of other guys' hearts is beer. Now, if I could make like some kind of a homebrew beer that I could just keep making over and over and and alter it and add different fruits like cherries or 
there's so many different kinds of beer I would love to make. You know, I love coconut porter. I love porter in general. Any kind of um, light beers also, like a Hefweizen or even stouts or even like the cider beers. My wife loves cider beer. Maybe I could try to make one of those. But the first one, I think I'll probably make some kind of ale since I love ales. I'll probably stick mostly to ale making since that's more in the, the warmer climates. Usually when you get into the colder climates up north, it's more of the, the pilsners and the lighter lager type of beers. And you never know, I might even have to get another refrigerator. So I have a third refrigerator, which would actually be the K-grader. I think it'd be kind of fun to have friends over and actually have a refrigerator. Like I've seen in some pictures where the front of the fridge is actually covered with a chalkboard and there's several different handles where you can pull a handle and just pour a nice cold one right on the spot in the garage. So homebrew beer would be a really cool thing to actually get into. And I have tons and tons of pictures. Uh, I don't know if you guys use Pinterest, but if you go out to my Pinterest page for the Fermentation Podcast, there's tons and tons and tons of content out there, especially on homebrew beer and just different pickles and everything. So in terms of alcohol anyway, so beer would be the first one. The second one I would really love to make in 2015, which would have to be mead, which is the honey wine. And I've talked about that a lot, you know, in the previous year. Never actually got around to making it because I've been trying to source more of a, a local kind of honey that's actually raw and that actually doesn't cost like an arm and a leg. And it is amazing. Sometimes I'll go to the farmer's market and just very occasionally there'll actually be somebody there selling honey and you can try all the different kinds of honey that they have and they always taste completely different, whether it's orange blossom or a wildflower or any of the other types of honeys that you would come across. But yeah, they always taste different. Some are even just a little thin or thicker. I guess it just kind of depends on, you know, how the the honey was actually made. And I want a real honey that I know definitely is honey, and it's a raw honey. So making mead would be at probably one of the top of my list of 2015. I know it takes, you know, like a few months or whatever, and I'll probably make it more of like a, a sweet mead, but that is definitely something fun to have on the list. And you can actually make mead very alcoholic, much more alcoholic than beer. So I think a little bit could go a long way. So those are just some of the, the big things that I want to actually get into in 2015. I'm sure there's probably even more. That was just a few of them that I threw on the list. But the next actual goal that I want to get done would be build more of a garden. In Florida, it's almost getting that time of year, you know, when we start planting things. And there's a few things that I have in mind when it comes to the garden also. I mean, right now, you know, I have a few fruit trees here and there, but I'd love to plant a lot more perennials, like more fruit trees. You know, perennials, especially perennials that are fruit trees, they yield a large amount and require so much less effort than, you know, like an annual garden does. You plant it once, and yeah, you have to wait a little bit of time, you know, you fertilize it and make sure you train it properly, and also make sure it's watered. But once you do that, then every year, you really just kind of show up and just harvest. So I think fruit trees are definitely where it's at. And previously, I talked about the banana trees that I had going, and they were producing big bunches of bananas. And I chopped that down, got the bunches of bananas, peeled them all, froze them, and they're still in the freezer. And we make them for smoothies probably just about every morning. It And it made so many. It, it was really crazy how many that we actually had to freeze. So definitely, if you can plant fruit trees wherever you are, and it doesn't matter if you're in a cold climate, warm climate, you can plant some kind of fruit trees. And looking out the back right now, I actually have a couple more massive banana trees coming in with babies, you know, right behind it. So we'll be having bananas, you know, in no time, probably 
handful of months or so. And what was interesting, when I spread compost all around the property, which is not very big, we actually had quite a few papaya trees just pop up. And I think we have maybe 10 trees that came up, and they're much taller than us now. But the interesting thing that happened is almost all of them were male, except one was finally a female. Or it might have even been self-pollinating. Whether it's female self-pollinating, it doesn't matter. There's actually papayas on it now. So out of 10 trees, we finally got some papayas. There's four big papayas on it right now, and they're growing even bigger. And I'm sure there's probably a lot more papayas right behind that. So we're definitely very excited to finally have some papayas. It's it's cool to finally get some fruit. I think in the summertime, we'll probably have a, another big round of peaches come in. Last year, we had quite a few peaches. We had just planted a peach tree. And we even had our fig tree kind of grow up a little bit more. And it finally got some figs on it that we could actually eat. For some strange reason, there was a ton of figs on it. And almost all of them were just inedible until finally some big ones started coming in and you can actually eat them. So I'm not sure what the deal is with the fig tree. I'll have to keep experimenting with that. We had quite a few blueberries that came in, but mostly the birds ate those. And it didn't really matter as long as we got a few. We had some raspberries and tons and tons of basil. So there's a whole lot of other things that I would like to to try. And one of those would be maybe have a, a patch of ginger root. I think that could be kind of cool, having an actual patch of ginger root that would come in and you harvest all the ginger root and actually make homemade ginger ale from it. And I have one little plant that I had going. It grew up, and I'm sure I could probably even harvest it right now, but it's still actually growing, so I think I'll just leave it there. And any of these things that I would plant, I'd probably have in the back of my mind, can I ferment this or can I add it to some kind of a ferment or add it to like a beer or a wine or something like that? So I'll always have to keep that in mind. Another one I'm going to plant, of course, every year you have to have a lot of beautiful cherry tomatoes in Florida. They just go so well with the basil. And then, of course, like I was saying before, herbs like basil and some other ones like parsley, they, they're they such a great flavor. And it's a great flavor to add to any great healthy dishes and also ferments. I mean, if you can add any kind of a fresh herb to a ferment, it adds that much more flavor. And of course, it makes your cooking really amazing when you chop a little bit up and add it right at the very end. And you never know, if we like finally move out of here and actually get some actual acreage, oh man, I would probably go crazy planting a whole orchard of everything I could think of. So yeah, we'll see. Definitely not going to happen in 2015, but you never know. So that's everything on the gardening, which isn't that much, but it's still a lot of fun to to actually look forward to, to planting things. It's so much fun to stick something in the ground, have it grow up, and then create something for you. It's almost like you're you're helping it along, and then it's helping you back by giving you a little bit of the bounty. So the next goal for 2015 would be have even more interesting guests on the show for you. And there are several different areas that I'd like to cover and, you know, have somebody on to talk about different things, like having some experts on and making beer and homebrew. You know, as I get into different areas, it'd be nice to have other people that have already gone through it and gone through all the idiosyncrasies of making homebrew or any other area. And even if there's any of you out there, you know, say if you make a lot of homebrew, maybe I'll have you guys on the show. And even if I've already covered a topic, it's fun to just talk about it anyway. I mean, this is fermentation. I mean, that's why you tune in to, to listen to fermentation, Any anything having to do with fermentation. There are other areas, like I have somebody in mind that I want to bring on the show that will probably talk about wine distribution and what to look for when it comes to choosing, you know, a quality wine or importing wines. 
And he's a very interesting guy. If I could have somebody on, you know, for cheese making, that would be a, a lot of fun because that's quite a process to go through. And there's so many different types of cheese. It's just mind boggling. And also in the, the kombucha realm, there is actually a lot of kombucheries in this country. And I think it'd probably make for a pretty great conversation, you know, to talk about getting a kombucha brewery up and running and, you know, what the process is like. What's it like to make kombucha every day and actually sell it? You know, even if you're a small brewery, you know, and you sell it at like a farmer's market, that could still be fun to talk about, you know, what the small kombucheries and what the big kombucheries, what they have to go through. Other ideas would be, say, if somebody actually has their own fermentation business, like, you know, making pickles, making sauerkraut, anything like that, have them on the show and talk about what it's like to start a business from the business end of it. And even, you know, the different health regulations you have to go through. And then even just fermentation in general, you know, the scientific, microscopic, and historic genre, have somebody in mind for that. And if you guys have any other ideas of, like, people you want me to bring on the show, anything else you would love for me to talk about or try to cover somehow, just send a comment my way, comment on this episode, or, you know, just send me some feedback. I'm here just to talk about what you guys want to hear about. And really, you know, I'm just very interested in this. I want to learn also, so I'm going to be covering anything I'm probably going to start getting into. So, you know, just let me know what you guys like. If there's something you want me to talk about more, you know, on a, a type of fermentation subject, just let me know. And I guess the final goal that I'll go over for 2015 would be to try out new methods of fermentation. And that includes the crowdsource, the Kefirco, and just recently I learned about the probiotic jar, which I'll cover in a second here. So making pickles and different kind of lacto-fermentation things, I've been using the traditional mason jar method, which is you have a mason jar, you fill it with what you want to ferment, you cover it in a brine, and then you take a smaller jar and weigh it down. So the crowdsource is going to change that stainless steel to lid that keeps everything submerged. The kefirco is actually a way to make kefir a lot easier, water kefir, dairy kefir, and possibly even kombucha, but probably stick to the you know kefir. The recent one I heard about, though, that I was really excited about was actually one I didn't even search out. I had done the previous episode with uh, Melanie Hoffman, and Karen Ross of the Probiotic Jar heard that episode and heard me talking about, you know, the mason jar method. And I was waiting to, you know, use a different method. And she contacted me and said, hey, you should really try the Probiotic Jar. You know, I came up with this, and it's a different way to actually ferment things. And she actually offered to send me uh, some samples of the the jar lids. And I just actually opened up the, the package about, you know, a few minutes ago, and I was looking through it. And I was actually very excited to see what it was. It's actually pretty ingenious. So I'm in no way, you know, obligated to say anything about it. But once I started going through the contents of it, I was thinking like, wow, this is actually pretty amazing. And I can't comment on how well it works, but I know it's definitely going to work, just seeing how it actually works. So if you use a, a phyto jar, or for me, what I've used is the Kilner jars that have like a, a flip top lid and they have a silicone seal and you pull down the, the metal handle and it actually locks it into place. Well, the probiotic jar, what it is, is it's actually, the magic is in the lid. It's a, still glass. Everything that they send you is glass, except for the, the airlock, which doesn't need to be. But the, the glass lid has a hole in it with a, a rubber grommet, and the airlock goes into the hole, and then when you actually ferment, you don't have to even worry about any kind of air getting in because it's a, a water lock, kind of like the ceramic crocs where, you know, you seal it in with a, a water moat. 
But if you use these kilner jars or these phyto jars, this really is a, a cool lid that you can put on there or even order, order the jars from them. So really the main thing, when I'm ever going to ferment something, there's only two kinds of materials I would ever use. One would be glass and the other would be stainless steel because they're non-reactive. And if I had my choice, you know, I would always choose glass because you can actually see through it and see what's going on. So this probiotic jar, it's a, a very cool product. And even if you're not actually in the market to have any kind of new fermentation gear, at least go check it out. It's at probioticjar.com. And another thing I appreciate very much, they also sent me basically like a cookbook. It's called Lisa's Counterculture, second edition. And when I flip through this, there is just recipes galore with tons and tons of pictures. I mean, there is kombucha, beet kvass, water kefir, ginger ale, tons of beverages, tons of vegetables, tons of dairy ferments, uh, starches like potatoes, doses, um, just a ton of how-tos. And it's a very nifty little guide to actually get you going on a lot of things. I mean, I've looked at some of these recipes and they, they actually look very good. And I think I might even have to contact Lisa and see if she would maybe even want to be on the show because it looks like she's actually gone through quite a few things to, to make this book. So anyways, I just have to send a big thank you to Karen Ross for sending me these things to check out. And in the future, you'll definitely be seeing some pictures of the probiotic jar in action and, you know, how I like it. So the next thing I wanted to go over was basically the whole idea of, so you've gotten through New Year's, you've survived, you know, you're, you've made it into 2015, and you actually want to get a little bit healthier. Well, I just listed out, you know, a few things maybe you could actually look into and things that might actually make your life just a little bit healthier. So I guess I'll start with beverages since you probably ended 2014 with a lot of beverages and maybe starting 2015, you didn't feel so great from it and you want some other beverages that might take the place. And my number one recommendation is always try some ginger ale. If you don't like ginger ale, then, you know, this isn't, isn't going to apply to you. But ginger ale, it just, it tastes so good. It has the fizziness. It can even have the sweetness that you're kind of looking for if you don't ferment it as long. And it's just very good for digestion. You know, if you're feeling sick or nauseous or whatever, they always say to chew a little bit of ginger root. So the first one is ginger ale. Next one, water kefir. And the reason I add water kefir to the list, even though I haven't even tried it yet, because I'm actually waiting for my kefir code to come in the mail for when I finally make it for the first time, is because there's such a huge amount of life in there. It probably has more life in it than just about anything, you know, other than dairy kefir. And I didn't add dairy kefir to the list because I was trying to keep the drinks a little bit more light, you know, to, to start the new year a little bit lighter, a little peppier. And when it comes to peppiness... You know, some people might even be getting off coffee or trying to lessen their caffeine. But for the ones that want caffeine, try kombucha. Kombucha is that sour drink. It has this zing to it that's, it can be a little bit less sour if you don't ferment it as long. But if you haven't tried kombucha, I did a whole show on it. You can try some, go to your local either health food store or maybe a Publix if you have it, Whole Foods. And just get a bottle of kombucha and just try some, see if you like it. It's not necessarily a traditional powerhouse of microorganisms like water kefir is. But if you need a boost of caffeine and, you know, you don't want to drink soda or coffee, then try kombucha. The next thing to kind of get you going a little bit healthier is fermented juices and then just the process of juicing in general. And when you hear somebody going on a juice fast, it's not going out to the store and just buying juices. 
the best way to actually do this is to buy a juicer. You can buy a really nice juicer, I think, from maybe around $100, $99, something like that. If you go to Bed Bath & Beyond, use a coupon. And The one I like is the Breville, which is more of a centrifugal force one. You can get the other ones that are Omega, which they actually grind it up so it doesn't heat up the juice. But in any case, if you can actually juice fresh vegetables and fresh fruits rather than buying them, you know, that aren't pasteurized, they're actually live juices. This is going to really kick your new year off with a bang. And probably maybe three, four times a week, something like that. Me and my wife will wake up and we do kind of like a half and half project where I make the juice and my wife does the smoothies. So what I'll juice traditionally, you know, in our house just every day is if we have a beet on hand, I'll do a beet and then have some beet juice, which is extremely sweet. I also do some carrots, um, maybe four ribs of celery, some apples, uh, some ginger, and then occasionally some cabbage. So you have vegetables in there, you have fruits, and that comes out, if you're using a beet, it'll come out kind of red. If you're not using the beet, it'll come out a little more green or orange, depending on whether you use you know, the carrot juice. So then you have this juice, you can just drink it as it is. Or what my wife does, she'll put a bunch of either frozen fruit or kale or collard greens or, you know, a bunch of other things in there, bananas to kind of thicken it up and then take my juice, pour it over that into the blender and blend it up and you have a really good smoothie. We pretty much got this from being in Austin, Texas, when there was just juice places all over. So definitely try juicing and then say you have the juice, maybe even try to ferment it. You know, if you have apple juice, you ferment that into an apple cider. Maybe you could try carrot juice or any of these other juices that are a little sweeter. And if you really are interested in the process of juicing, you should do yourself a favor and watch a movie called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. It's about an Australian that comes to America and he's He's very overweight, and he goes across the whole U.S. just driving across. I think he does about 60 days of a juice fast where all he has is just juice. And it's it's pretty revealing what the human body can go through. And, it, and it's almost like a reverse supersize me where he's just juicing, and he actually loses like 60 pounds. So do yourself a favor. If you haven't seen this movie, you should go out to the link I have on here. It's to Hulu, and it's free. It might have like a few commercials here and there, but watch this whole movie to start New Year's off with, and you'll probably be convinced that you want to at least try to juice a little bit or add a little bit of this nutrition to your diet because it is really life-changing. It's pretty powerful stuff, and you might even convince yourself to go on, you know, like a couple-day juice fast just to, to see what that's like shed a few pounds, and get your body kind of recharged for the new year. So definitely go watch that movie, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead on Hulu. So you'll probably also notice I didn't add any kind of beer, wine, or beverages with like a higher alcohol content. You know, if you want to kickstart your year with a, a little fresher feeling. And pretty much because you probably had plenty of that New Year's Eve if you drink alcohol. And for myself personally, I can say last year it didn't seem to start off so well because I was... I maybe had a little bit too much of the ferments, but this year, the night before, I kind of laid off some of that. I woke up very fresh, feeling great, and it just feels like it's going to be a great new year, you know, great 2015. So you can kickstart your year off a little better also, you know, feel a little bit healthier this year and get some things done. 
So on the foods list, I'm going to list out here. I have a lot of these already on Pinterest linked up. So, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But if you want some good foods to, to start off the new year, you know, a little healthier, maybe you even have like flu season going around. It's supposed to be, I think, three times worse this year for some strange reason. And it's still cold outside. People are getting sick. You might want to boost up your immune system. So keep going with the honey fermented garlic. You take garlic, put it in honey, ferment it for like a month or so. Uh, another one would be fire cider, or it's also called master tonic. And this has like horseradish and jalapenos and garlic and onions. And it's just this concoction of everything that's possibly good for you and very spicy. So I would also say try some of that. That stuff is amazing. Another one I went over previously in this episode was miso. You know, traditional soy ferment. Go Maybe go to a sushi restaurant. Just get a big bowl of miso soup. It'll pep you up. Or try some. You can go to the grocery store, pick up a package of miso, boil up some water, and then pour it in a bowl. And then once it's cooled down just a tiny bit, take a few teaspoons or one teaspoon or so of miso, put it in the water, and you have this really comforting, I guess it would be almost like a drink, but I guess, you know, it is a soup, miso soup. Uh, another one, kimchi for the year. If you want to feel good, if you like spicy things, make some kimchi. It's packed full of vegetables and has tons of probiotics, just like sauerkraut, which is next on the list. And sauerkraut, you can put on a lot of different things. Same thing with pickles. My next thing on the list, slice up a bunch of pickles and, you know, put them on a, a sandwich. Take your pickle juice, put it into mashed potatoes, or just, you know, crunch on a pickle. The next one on the list is coconut yogurt. So say you're avoiding dairy, you want that probiotic content that yogurt normally has, you can actually get coconut yogurt at the store and bring it home, take coconut milk, and actually make your own coconut yogurt from that yogurt from the store and have all the probiotic benefits that you can have and then make it yourself. So say if you're avoiding meat and you want that protein boost, you know, you maybe you're working out at the gym, you need a whole lot of protein which is actually not true. You don't need as much as you think you do. But say you feel like you need that extra protein boost, try some tempeh, which for me is almost kind of a, an acquired taste. But you can make tempeh taste like almost anything. And it has kind of like a nuttier flavor, but tempeh bacon is pretty good. Tempeh on a sandwich, you know, you've kind of not necessarily fry it up, but cook it up. Maybe put a little bit of soy sauce in it, maybe even a, a smoke kind of a flavor. It's just packed with protein and packed with all the goodness of soy products without having that isolated soy protein like you know, I'm always talking about that's actually very bad for you. And the last one on the list is sourdough bread, which I talked about before previously in this episode, which is just packed with, you know, a lot of good yeast in there and it digests the grains beforehand. So your body didn't have to spend so much time digesting these grains. So if you still want to have grains, you know, you're not gluten-free, try some sourdough bread and try to make it yourself. And that's what I'm going to be doing soon with a, a nice sourdough starter. Can't wait to take some nice pictures of that and actually see what this stuff tastes like. All right, so just wrapping up this episode, the last thing I want to talk about is just some healthy habits. It's not necessarily, you know, all in the fermentation realm, but so the first one I would say is to incorporate ferments, try daily. So you make pickles or sauerkraut, you have the juice, you can use it for some other things. You know, don't just dump it out. Use it in soups, or if you're making rice, use that in addition to some water, or add it to smoothies, or I, some people even drink it. 
put pickle slices on sandwiches, you know, crunch on a few raw. Have a snack or two of pickled carrots or cauliflower. Some other good habits to actually get into would be shopping in the produce aisle. If you look in your grocery cart and you can see more raw things, like more produce than you can package things, then you're actually getting into a very good habit. And even better, if you can even grow those, that would be amazing. But if you're at the grocery store and you look in your cart and you have more fresh than packaged, then good for you. You should be getting a lot of your food from the produce section. The next thing would be drink more water, especially first thing when you wake up. You know, drink a glass of water when you wake up. It'll get everything going. I heard something about the Japanese when they wake up. They have some water to kind of get their system going. Uh, Another one would be eat more nuts and seeds. Everybody's crazy about protein and, you know, where do you get your protein? You know, you have to have meat. You can actually have more nuts and seeds. And nuts and seeds, if you think about an acorn and that acorn grows into a mighty oak. So same thing with a walnut. You have this walnut that grows into a giant walnut tree. Can you imagine how much nutrition is densely packed into that little container? So these nuts and seeds are really good for you, especially if you have to shell them yourself. That means you know they're they're pretty fresh. And you can usually tell the difference between a nut or seed that's gone rancid or a nut or seed that's actually fresh. And I know this firsthand from going to Austin, Texas, and there was just pecan trees everywhere. And we shelled the pecans right off the ground, and they were the best pecans we had ever had. We still have some of those left, and they still taste pretty fresh. So try to incorporate more nuts and seeds into your diet. When you make a smoothie, try to blend up some nuts or seeds in there. You know, even um, flax seeds, probably the highest concentration of omega-3s you can get, you know, on par with fish oil or somewhere around there. But all of these nuts and seeds, make sure to store them in the refrigerator because they actually do go bad very quickly. And especially if you're doing things with a a really high omega-3 content, something like flax seeds, if you grind up flax seeds in a coffee grinder, make sure to store those actually in the freezer and use them as fast as you can because they go rancid very, very quickly. And that's really due to the high concentration of the unsaturated oils that actually go bad very quickly. If you have something that's more of a saturated fat, so say coconuts, it's highly saturated. It's almost pure saturated fat. It's virtually shelf-stable, so you can have a container of pure coconut oil, and you can probably rest assured that that's going to stay good for a very long time because of the high saturated fat content of it, which is also very good for you. I know you always hear about saturated fats bad for you, but I think saturated fat that's actually from a plant source is very, very good for you and probably lacking in a lot of people's diets. And if you can tell, I'm moving a little closer to the vegan type of a diet, but you don't have to actually go all the way vegan. But the more you can move in that direction, you know, the more raw fruits and raw vegetables and raw raw whole nuts and seeds, even if you cook them, as long as you're getting more plants into your diet, more fresh plants that are full of antioxidants, full of the spectrum of minerals and nutrients and vitamins that you need, the better off you're going to be. And, you know, the same thing actually does go for meat products. So say you have an animal that's eating crap, you know, that animal's meat is basically going to be crap. And if you eat that, you know, you can kind of tell what you're getting. So really health goes along the whole spectrum, whether you're vegan or not. And you can actually be very healthy, you know, not on a vegan diet. But that's only if you're getting like pasture-raised 
you know, organic meats and you know how I don't even like the the term organic anymore because it's been so overtaken and, you know, changed from what it actually is supposed to mean. So generally, though, just move in more of like a, a whole foods kind of a diet, things that are less processed and things that are full of nutrients. I mean, nobody can argue with less processing and a bigger nutrient density. Another good habit to get into would be, you know, some kind of exercise. You can do like everybody else, show up at the gym at the beginning of the year and then just kind of fall off in like a few weeks or start an exercise program at home. You know, we actually do like to go to the gym on a regular basis and we'll go maybe three, four times a week. And we kind of have a set thing that we do that we enjoy. We have a gym that we really like and we're actually very excited about it. But if you don't like to go to the gym... Try to get an exercise program going at home. I mean, while we were waiting for our LA Fitness to be built, we actually had a program that we did. We would go jogging every day. We would do sit-ups and jumping jacks and push-ups and a little bit of weights at home just to get ready for the gym to open. But it, it was a lot of fun, and we didn't have to actually go anywhere for it. And since then, you know, we, we just enjoy the gym environment, so that's what we do now. But you can do this at home and, and have a lot of fun with it. You can go outside, just take a walk. Maybe you don't know what's in your neighborhood, you know, what's in your area. When you take a walk, you might be able to meet some neighbors. But take a walk, and especially if you have any kind of nature around you, which is what the next thing would be, is actually take a hike. And like I said in the beginning of the episode, at the end of 2014, when I kind of shut down for a couple of weeks, me and my wife and her family, we actually went up to the Smoky Mountains, so Smoky Mountain National Park, and stayed at this nice little family-owned motel that we we always love to save when we go to the Smoky Mountains. And you get a trail map in the Smoky Mountain National Park and just start hiking all the trails. We always like to do all the big miles, you know, we go over the mountains and everything, but if you have a forest next to you, just go hiking in nature and just hear the sounds of the birds and just kind of immerse yourself with it. You wouldn't believe how much that can just recharge your soul. And when you're hiking in the middle of the forest and these trees are making all of this oxygen and you're just almost saturated just by nature, it definitely does give you a good feeling. And I think it really does recharge your soul in some way and just makes you feel a lot better. And what I like to do when I hike is actually combine photography with it. And like in the very beginning of starting the Fermentation Podcast, I said one of my things I like to do is photography. So. If you wanted to see some of my photography, just to see some of the pictures I've taken, just go out to paulbates.com. You can actually see all of Paul Bates' photography, which I'm just an amateur photographer. I like to take landscape, and I just love nature. It's so great to get out into nature and just feel that immersion. So the next habit I'd like to get into would be to read books or to listen to audiobooks. And this could actually be on fermentation, but it doesn't have to be. It's just a recharge of your brain. It's amazing when recently I heard the average American watches five hours of TV a day. That's really something else. I remember not that long ago hearing some kind of a story. It was one of those, give yourself a better future. And the story was something like you could tell a, a person's future wealth or future prosperity if you go through their house and you're only looking for two things. And when somebody went through somebody's house to do this experiment, they would pack in organic produce in their fridge and they would put their exercise equipment in one corner and make everything look spotless, make it very clean. 
thinking that, you know, this would actually help their chances, but it wasn't any of that. The really, the person was just looking for how big your television was versus how big your library is. And if your library actually had more how-to books and less fiction, then it was even better. So I, I know that doesn't apply nowadays because everybody just has a big TV because pretty much that's how they come nowadays. But the more you can actually read a book or listen to an audiobook instead of watching television where it's really just trying to program you rather than you watching programming or even, you know, like listen to podcasts like the Fermentation Podcast or any other podcast you're very interested in. There's podcasts on anything nowadays. If you want to know a couple of books I'm reading, I just finished the book Wild, which is a kind of a hiking memoir. And you've probably seen that the movie's in the theaters now with Reese Witherspoon. But Cheryl Strayed wrote a book about hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, which is right up my alley because I just love hiking and, you know, being out in nature. I've read uh, A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson, where he actually hikes the Appalachian Trail, which is the East Coast. Pacific Crest Trail is on the West Coast in California, and Appalachian Trail is up on the Eastern. And I guess the last book, which is also by Bill Bryson, which is a very interesting, very scientific, it's called A Short History of Nearly Everything. And I had another listener of the podcast. She actually came on and said she learned about the Fermentation Podcast after she got interested in fermentation from that book. So I started reading it, and I think it's actually a a great scientific view of everything. And he's just so funny. Bill Bryson is quite an amazing writer. So anyways, like I said, just start reading books, listen to audiobooks, recharge your brain. And finally, the last thing I'd love more of in 2015 is just to have more conversations with you guys. I mean, I've already heard from quite a few of you about your fermenting adventures and questions and comments. And just now I'm actually going through the the website and I'm talking to somebody right now who's just starting their first jar of pickles. And that's very exciting. And he's up in Illinois and just had a couple questions about pickles. So anyway, just keep the questions, comments, emails, anything about what you're doing, what you're up to with fermentation, or, you know, if you have any ideas about a topic or a guest Just let me know. I'd love to hear from all you guys and all you girls. I know in the beginning I always say, hey guys, but it's really just me saying hey to everybody. It's just my way of saying things. So anyways, I really appreciate everything you guys have done for me and everything I've covered on today's show will be in the show notes. I'll put all the links out there. I invite you guys to come out to fermentationpodcast.com. Leave me more comments. Let me know what you think. You know, if you have any questions, just want to shoot the breeze. And also don't forget to subscribe if you want to get updates of new shows and blog posts by email. And I just want to say Happy New Year's. This has been Paul Bates from the Fermentation Podcast, encouraging you to put fermentation into practice, ferment responsibly, and get out there and create some culture. <laughs>